So listen, not you, Greg, you're not shy of an opinion. You've got a great profile on LinkedIn. I think personally, I don't know whether I, I think this is, I, I'm, I'm being honest with myself here to say that if I had the kind of credibility and following that you have within the industry, I personally would be a little bit more reserved, but you don't take that approach. I think, I feel like you wear your heart on your sleeve on, on a LinkedIn post. And I, I kind of, I admire that, but where does that come from? I don't, I don't I'm broken. <laughs> I generally, I don't, I don't know where, where it comes from. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit ADHD. Um, do you I, care I have... what people think about you? What's that? Do you care what people think about oh, you? I, I care. I, I care probably way too much. Uh, I, I take, um, I take criticism very badly. Like if, if I get criticism, it, I immediately turn it around and like, I know logically, and this is what I tell everyone, like, don't take it too hard. Take the criticism. What can you learn from him? How can, how can you do better next time? And I absolutely do that. But it, it really eats me up. Like it really, really bothers me that I, I could have done a better job there. I, I, I overreacted there. I, I could have done this better. Um, and I actually, I actually suffer from quite a lot of anxiety for it, from it, to be honest. Uh, but whatever. But I don't, yeah. I think it's fine, but I'm, I also tend to be really um, quite quite empathetic. Um, I remember, like, I did I did this like kind of class a few months ago, and I was I was trying to talk about like leadership, and I had this uh, I had the story of um, Boston like, a couple of years ago. And I had just started this place, and his and he was he was actually younger than I was, so he was like in early to mid thirties. And I just started there. I was like a week, week and a half in. And his, uh, his personal assistant took me aside. It's like, a, she's like, cause I was like the first or second person in the office that morning, barring like a, a couple of people. And she just took me aside and she's like, I've got some bad news. And I was like, oh shit. It's like, I, it, it took me nine months to get this job. I was like desperate. And I was like, I'm, I'm being sacked. Turned out my boss's girlfriend, partner, passed away very suddenly the night before. And I was, I was absolutely gutted for him. I was, I was like trying, trying not to tear up. And I was telling this story and the story is that two days later, he walks into the office and he's like a broken man, like bloodshot eyes. And he, he comes over to me and he's like, he's apologizing for not having been there for me in my first week on the job. I'm like, you, you shouldn't even be here. But as I was telling this story in the class, like I, I couldn't help, but like, I, I, I was crying. Like I was, I was telling the story. Like I just, I can't, I'm not good at containing that stuff, um, which, you know, makes me bad in, in, in many other ways, but it's like, you know what, that's, that's me. So I'm just gonna have to deal with it. Um, and I, I feel very, very strongly about like people that do that kind of thing, people that do anything positive or, or that contributes that they need to be praised. And conversely, people that do bad things need to be called out. Like, I believe very strongly, like, in injustice. You know, like, I really want to – most of it's positive. Like, I really feel like anyone that does anything positive, like, that, that should be applauded. That should be reinforced. We have to, we have to let people see that, you know, this is, this is a good way of doing things, that this is an example that, that people should follow. Because um, a lot of the good stuff 
you see so much negativity in the world, right? There, there is good stuff as well, but the people that tend to do good tend to be a lot quieter about it. And so not many people are, are aware of it and other people don't necessarily get the example to, to follow suit. So I think it's very important to kind of applaud that. And I agree. He called the shit out of people. Mm. Do you? Do you... <laughs> is that is that's where you were going with that? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Almost. Um, do you bring a lot of emotion to your uh, professional life? Because I've been told I've been told previously that um, I'm too emotionally invested into something or a project or X, Y, and Z. So, uh, but you seem like a very um, emotional person. Anyway, does that bleed into professional life? Um. Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, working in IT, I think as as we were leading up to the call before we started recording, you call and you said, you know, like how how you know present yourself, how you present yourself to other people, you know, it's like, which is, I work in IT, you know, <laughs> I can't be asked to explain to you exactly what I do. It's like, yeah, but it's more of a leadership strategy. I, th I thought you said IT. Ah, fuck mm. it. Um, and it's it's just embarrassing to say it like that's that's how crap IT is. But what what I really enjoy like I, I do enjoy like digging into into details and discovering stuff and, and driving synergies. Um, I like you know I really like building relationships and you know I see people who um, even with vendors you know with, with good vendors you get along. Um, like I see people like applaud the fact that they got like thirty percent off a purchase because you know it was the end of q4 and i'm like i've not purchased anything with less than an 80 percent discount any time of the year in in years you know it's like million pound quotes dropped to like 100k 200k like that just because you have a good relationship with them uh and they and part of that is is building your um building your your linkedin or your network in general because it gives you tremendous influence because it's like people, mm. it blows my mind when people are like if we do a really good deal and Greg buys the product, Greg's going to talk about the product and then other people will buy the product from us. And, and that works. And those, those are all benefits that you can pass on to your company. You know, you can, you can benefit the company. That means the company's got more, more money left over. We can kick a little bit back for, you know, the beanbag share or whatever the hell it is they need. And um, so that, that all helps. But to me, it's, it's what I love the most. And what I miss a little bit about, because I'm consulting now, is building the teams and building the mm. people. And there's, there's so much shit in this industry where like, oh, we can't find qualified people. It's like, fuck off. Like there's mm. so many bright people with tremendous potential all over the place, but no one wants to lift their pinky to do the slightest bit of mentoring or guidance or anything like that. Uh, and I, I love getting those people in. I love proving the, the naysayers wrong. I love seeing them grow. I love seeing them develop. And, uh, and just yesterday I was speaking to this, um, this one guy who's actually the director of finance for this company. And oddly, he's got some IT people under him. And they're bringing a CTO and they want to kind of merge things. And, and he's resisting to this. And I've not, I've not really dealt with him much before. So I had a deeper conversation. And it emerges that the reason why he's being difficult about moving these two people under the broader IT organization is because he's worried they won't be happy. He genuinely cares about them. And my, you know, my heart's just like, I love you. I, I, I love that you put this level of thought and consideration to your people. I love that you're that concerned about it. And you know, eventually it was like, Greg, 
if they go, as long as they're under you, I, I'm happy because I, I know they'll be taken care of. So that that's the kind of stuff I, I really enjoy doing. Like I enjoy, and it's weird because it was quite a shift because for years I, I kind of, you know, rock star syndrome. I know all this shit. Uh, I am the shit. I can do all this stuff. Pay me big money. Um, and then I think it came with kind of like fatherhood and it was like, you know, when it comes to your kids, you want to give them everything for free and you, you want them to learn, you want them to grow and you want to pass everything on and you don't want them to, to struggle for 10 years to figure something out. You want to explain it to them today. So hopefully they can figure out, they're not going to figure out just from your words, but they figure out sooner and, and to, to help them and to see people who are, are literally like entering the industry. Some of them haven't even gone to college. They're 18 degrees, 18 degrees, 18 years old. And uh, you know, within within the space of two years, they're they're where it took you, you know, eight years to get that. And that's that's actually quite quite satisfying. It's, it's kind of like, damn it, <laughs> you know, I wish I had that when I was twenty. But um, but it's it's tremendously satisfying. I really really enjoy that element of it, and I enjoy and that that's just kind of the downwards part. It's a lot of the talk about leadership is is oriented as kind of and it's kind of glamorized as the upwards you know the, the speaking to the sea level and the hanging out with the sea level and that's i think that's really enjoyable as well especially in security where we're so used to being kind of misunderstood because we're terrible communicators like when when a cfo or coo comes to you it's like you're the first security person i've ever had an enjoyable conversation with or you're the first security person that's ever made sense to us um you know when 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 the head of legal and the head of finance are like, we're so glad you're here. I was like, that's, that's unusual. So it's, it is quite rewarding to, to overcome, you know, what, what's kind of typical in the, in the industry, but really it's about, you know, getting, yeah, helping, helping the people kind of at the bottom grow and, and, and the people in the middle talk to each other and, and educating a lot too. You know, like, it, again, it took me 15 years, you know, racking the intrusion detection boxes and the firewalls and all that stuff. And you know, explaining them within within their first month in the industry about the big picture and how stuff works together, and and having all these anecdotes to show them. Look, you, you need to ask these questions and be curious about these things because you'd be amazed what you can find. And there, there's no point in fixing all this stuff over here when the assembly line is broken. Let's focus on that. Um, and that's yeah, like it, it's it's something they don't learn anywhere. Even if you go and get a degree in, in information security, you don't learn that. And it's we're, we're missing out huge parts of, of what I think is, is necessary to actually fix the problem that we're trying to solve. Mm. No, I, I agree. You, you've had a lot of, well, you've certainly described a lot of great experiences working with people and developing and growth and all the rest of it. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. You've also been involved in some less positive experiences within the industry. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, so for, for those who didn't, follow this on LinkedIn, or maybe you've never even met you before, Greg, describe what happened with THG to us from the take us from the beginning. Right. So, I mean, I've, to be honest, I've, I've had, I've had many people approach me over the years saying like, Oh, you must've had such great mentors and bosses and stuff. It's like, actually, no, they've all been shit. Most of them <laughs> have been shit. Well, I, I must say like the, the gentleman I mentioned earlier a couple of years ago, best, you know, I didn't even really talk to him that much, but just knowing he was such a good guy. If you needed something, he was there. He was he was the strong silent type, but he he did care and he knew that. So he was he was a great boss. But many 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 crap ones. Um, 
so yeah, so THG, and I can, I, can, I think I can be quite open about it now because it's, it's been building up. It's becoming quite public. There's an employment tribunal. Uh, the Financial Times is writing a story about it. So I was approached by a recruiter from THG back in June and asking me if I'd be interested in, in working there. And I was like, look, I don't know too much about the company, but it's, it's really up and coming. It's interesting. It's really hyped up, especially in the Northwest. It's huge in the media, uh, a bit of a career maker. However, at that point, I was like, look, it's, it's CISO or bust. Like I want to, I don't want to be subservient to all this crap that's going on and the status quo. I want to be able to set the direction. I want to be able to build the teams. I want to be able to mentor everyone, myself, set the culture, all that stuff. And you guys already have a CISO. And in, in a really exceptional situation, because I did have someone at, um, I forget the name of the company now, but the, there, it was the only job I'd, I'd ever applied to where I was in the last few years where I'd be a number two because we got along so well and it was kind of a succession planning thing. But I, I wanted to set the direction and I'd heard things about their CISO even months before. I think I was once actually in the same pub as him for a lunch. I'd heard not good things. I'd heard that he wasn't, like he started out as a database administrator. Someone described him to me as not too bad just completely out of his depth in two areas, leadership and security. <laughs> Probably oh, wow. okay. not, not the best criteria, but he was still there. And I've, I'd heard, you know, I heard one story of this girl watching Netflix on her phone before the start of her shift at work and getting screamed at until she, she was in tears um, and, and just like lots of kind of bullying and condescending behavior, but also just really poor performance. Like I heard a story uh, from someone who worked there, like a major um, retail group in the UK. So THG has its own brands, but they also host, they have this quite sophisticated hosting platform um, that they host for others. And they told me like, look, they, they signed like a 10, they were going to sign a 10 million pound a year deal to host their brands. But once they started doing the security due diligence, like just no, we're, we're not doing business with you. Um, and this is quite, this is quite strange to me for THG because they're, they're known to be fairly cutthroat. You know, I've heard stories of, you know, if you, if you don't perform, you're out. They don't have time for that. So how, how come this person who is consistently underperforming, and I think they had a, a team of 16 in their sock, and that in two and a half years, they had a turnover of like 32. And one, one of their employees told me, like, in the, in the two years that she'd been there, she saw 24 people go, and she'd be like, I bet you every single one of them will give you the same reason why they left, and it's the CISO. So, wow. so even long before they contacted me, the kind of like the joke in, in the kind of CISO community was like, whose sex tape does he have? You know, why, <laughs> why is he still there? You know, it's, it was just weird. So then I was, you know, I was approached by THG. And you know, so I, I mentioned this, I was quite blunt with them. It was like, really interesting organization, but I, I don't want to sit underneath this, you know, this person. And that's when they said, well, yeah, we're, we're aware of some of the issues. That's why we're looking for maybe kind of a group CISO, his, his words, group CISO position to maybe kind of, you know, manage that and expand security into the rest of the organization. So apparently it's, it's quite focused just in the, the kind of SOC side of things now. It's not, the, the group's quite large. It's got all kinds of different businesses, different platforms, different technology stacks. I'm like, oh, okay. So that, that might be interesting. Um, so I think this was like on a Thursday. On the Monday, I've got a one-hour phone call with their group CTO. That went very, very well. 
And he ends the call with, you know, I, I don't do this very often, but I want you to speak with the co-founder of the company. So two days later, I'm talking to the co-founder of the company. Great conversation, 35 minutes. 10 of it was about dogs. Uh, and he's like, you're preaching to the converted. And on that call, now this is what the CFO and co-founder of the company, I mentioned, you, you have some cultural problems in your security organization. And he reacts like this. Oh, you mean Auburn? <laughs> so like, you know, it's, it's everybody in the organization knows. So it's, it was a bit weird. So, okay, so a couple more interviews and they're like, you know, then they have to talk, me talk with some of their commercial people because like, yeah, maybe you could help us develop a commercial offering as well, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they made me an offer and it was really low ball. I was like, no, no, thanks. And then they came back with a, with a better offer and I accepted. And immediately, you know, like the moment I sign, even though it was like two and a half months away at the start date, you know, that team is now my people. So I start talking to them. I start meeting them for drinks. And I'm, you know, what's, what's going on? What do you guys need? This and that. And I'm, I'm, I'm starting to hear some weird stories. And then one day I get a call from THG and they want me to come into the office. And this is still well before my start date. I was supposed to start in October and this was in September. It was, it was like a month and a couple of days before my start date. So they asked me to come into the office and I get presented by this anonymous letter, which was forwarded apparently by the CISO that accused me of three things. The first one was questioning my quote talents. There were quotes, but didn't actually say against what, like what, what's the actual accusation. And then the second one was um, that had been leaking sensitive company data from my current employer news to me and news to my employer. Uh, and the third one that had been leaking sensitive data about THG. So I'm like, I've not even started yet. And they, they had quoted me saying a few things on Club CISO as, on this letter, which they wouldn't let me keep the letter, but I remember them quoting me on a few things. And I didn't actually recognize the quotes at first because it was literally fragments of sentences. It was like dot, dot, dot in three words or three words, dot, 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 uh, all, all to kind of like make it sound as, as nefarious as possible. It was quotes from a discussion on Club CISO, it was the Chatham House rule, you know, kind of CISO group. And we were talking about titles, the, what we said earlier, you know, uh, CISO, because it, this is going to be weird because I was going to, my title is now Director of Information Security for THG, but they also have a CISO. And usually that's the same position. So, you know, I was like, yeah, so I'm not quite sure what, you know, what it's like. I've been told that my role is going to be more strategic across the enterprise, where the CISO is going to be more GRC. Um, and, you know, I think the packages sit like I'm a little bit lower, even though they told me they wanted me here. So I'm not sure how they, how they see this. No, I mean, nothing you wouldn't find on a job spec. Mm. So, and they said, so I was like, well, yeah, what did? And, and they kept saying I had said this publicly. I'm like, no, I didn't. And then I said, well, what about privately? And that's what I was like, well, let me, let me type in the quotes into my phone. And sure enough, I found myself, I found those quotes as part of sentences in that discussion on, on WhatsApp. And then the next day, um, they contacted, look, it's off. We're rescinding the contracts. Uh, as far as we're concerned, this is sensitive information, blah, blah, blah. And at first it was, it was fairly amicable. Um, they said, look, really, it's, it was a week before the IPO. So they're like, well, you know, really, it's, it's only because the IPO, we don't we want to avoid any bad publicity or like, what, what bad publicity would you get? 
and you know let's let's keep in touch and once you know in six months once things settle down we can work together you know we think you're very talented blah 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 we would love to have you work for us which is absolutely not what they told the reporters of financial times when they <laughs> couldn't be trusted you know blah 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 um and then they said you know but, but well, you know we want to make sure that we make you whole uh financially that you're not impacted by this blah 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 and then they offered me like six months or six six weeks pay and i was like that's what i was like well no sorry like can you do better because i mean i gave up my job for this and you know it's six to 12 months for a CISO role and we're now in the middle of a pandemic so um, contractually you're you're liable to cover my lost income for the period so please do that and that's when things kind of broke down and it just kind of went back and forth and they just every time they replied to something they would twist my words and then I would have to kind of in my reply make sure that I clarified every single time they twisted my words and it just kind of went back and forth and I was like you know what you guys just keep trying to twist my words against me um we'll leave it up to the lawyers and then things for me financially were quite difficult because I hadn't had I hadn't saved up a lot of money and I I may have splurged a little bit when I thought I had this great job with, <laughs> with TSG and I, I moved as well which set me back uh, knocked out some of my savings because they wanted me in the office so I moved closer to the airport where their offices are and then things kind of broke down and I'm like look I sent them an email I was like this is ridiculous I I, I I, at first, I really thought it was just an isolated group of people, like some, something weird is going on here. So I said, look, I'm going to start publicizing this to like, to your broader kind of manager and, and senior management base, because like so, something's not right. And then the next day I did a post, because I was just going to start talking about the story on LinkedIn. And so I did a post about their CEO. And it was actually a positive anecdote, because I heard a story of, um, he met someone at, at the Hill Country Club that they that they now own and she shared this story that she was a widow and then the next time she went she found that she her membership had been upgraded so apparently he did this for her whatever without being asked or anything which i thought was a nice gesture and this is a lot of people approach me like why would you go to thg like the culture is so bad there but i heard like a couple of good anecdotes i, I mean i heard that positive anecdote about the one co-founder and the other one i mean seemed like a pretty decent guy and we talked about dogs for 10 minutes so i I didn't see anything. I was maybe naive, but I didn't really see anything too bad there. Um, and then things broke down. And I, I did that post. And within two hours, I got a legal letter from them. So this was the first time that they actually saw like outside counsel as a partner at uh, Adelshaw Goddard. And I started going through and like when asking for compensation, I never asked for more than like the base salary just for my period of unemployment. Um, and you know, if, if you, you can pay me monthly and if, if you pay me six months and it only takes me two months, I'll give you back the four months. Like I have this in writing, I have this in recording. Um, and this letter is accusing me of trying to extort them for vast amounts of money and this and that. And it had like 23 different accusations. I read like halfway to the first page and I just replied to the lawyer, you are ill-informed, goodbye. So I got back to him like an hour later. It's like, listen, I know you're, you're representing your client, uh, but you know, maybe we can be reasonable about this. And because uh, I don't think they have their own best interests in mind. And there's, there's so many inaccuracies in your letter that I, I can't even begin to start. Like maybe we can have a phone call to be faster and, and more courteous. 
And the lawyer gets back to me. I hadn't read the full letter. And the lawyer replies to me, he's like, yeah, we, we could maybe do that. But uh, to facilitate a conversation, could you maybe explain what you were doing outside Richard Nolan's house? <laughs> like, what? Who's he? So he's, he's their people director. He's their okay. head of HR. Uh, which some people since have told me they can they put the uh, the fact that he didn't understand how HR worked as part of the risk register, <laughs> but um, so I was like, what? He's like, it's it's in the letter. I'm like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. So the lawyer's like, okay, great, give me give me your phone number, and he calls me up. He's like, you weren't in the Peak District on the thirtieth. I'm like, when? Six thirty. I was at Aldi in Altrincham, like over an hour away, and he's like. Oh, so it turns out afterwards that uh, they, they filed a police report saying that I was, no, it wasn't, this, happened, this call happened on the 30th, but they had filed a police report on the previous Friday, I think, on the 23rd. No, they filed a police report saying that on the 23rd at 6.30 p.m., I was outside this guy's house in the Peak District, intimidating him and his family. You know, this was in Bamford, which I had to look up where that was, because and I've definitely never been there. Um, and I was like, well, I have, and I started looking on my phone, I was like, well, I've got a receipt for Aldi, you know, 30 minutes before then. I definitely wasn't there. And I'm on CCTV in Aldi and in my parking garage afterwards. Uh, and the interesting thing is they, they refused to withdraw it. He's like, no, we, we don't consider it a false report. That's when I started like calling around some reporters. They're like, yeah, intimidation tactic. They're trying to discredit you. You'll notice that they're going to start talking a lot about your mental health in, in emails, which, yeah, it's true. They keep pointing out my mental health and stress and this and that. Um, so, so it then turns out they, um, so they say this happened on the 23rd, but they didn't actually file that police report until the 30th at the same time as they were writing the legal letter. And then when, when the reporters called them and asked them like, well, why didn't you, like when he offered to give you evidence that he wasn't there, like what due diligence did you, did you do into the letter? And when he gave you the evidence that he wasn't even there, why didn't you withdraw the report? And they're like, well, he spoke to our lawyer and at the lawyer, he admitted being in the Peak District in that vicinity I admitted being on a hike in a separate town like a week prior, not there. So as a result of that, we filed the police report. So you just told the report that you filed the police report after I have a conversation with your lawyer that happened because you said you'd file the police report. So your timeline doesn't add up at all. And, and the funny thing is, They've, there's, I can't think of them all, but there's so many of these instances where I've even told them, like, look, I have obviously have all your emails, but I've also recorded every single one of your phone calls, which you're allowed, to, I, I can't play them publicly, but I can, I can record them and I can use them as evidence. I've told them this, and yet they keep lying to their own lawyers and to the reporters saying, like, the complete opposite of what they said previously. Uh, and I'm like, and even, even the reporter from the Financial Times is like, why are they so bad at lying? Like, we're, we're laughing at them at this point because they just keep coming up with stories. And like, you just, you just contradicted yourself there. And, 
and she would chase it. was like, well, you told me this, but it turns out this. And then they changed their story again. And, but it's, it's just completely bizarre. It's just really, really weird. But the, the striking thing is once I started talking about it, and I think this is why if this stuff happens to you, talk about it. Like the conventional wisdom is just to shut up. But the number of people that work there that have written to me about what they went through and how they, for the first time in their life, had to sign up to a, a union because of the, the amount of abuse. And women especially, uh, just the bullying is, is unbelievable. And you know, the, the pretty ones being told that they had, to, uh, they had these uh, uh, summer parties and for them a bikini would be compulsory. Just all kinds of like crazy, crazy stuff. And, and just you know, horrendous. Uh, that, that's been the kind of most, uh, and, and that's why I've, I've kind of refused to let it go. And I, I even reached a point where I was like, well, this company is, is so unethical that I don't even want the settlement money anymore. You know what I mean? Um, so I've already, like any, any kind of settlement, I've already pledged all to, to charity, but yeah, like I, I definitely want to, to expose it as much as possible. And, and a lot of, a lot of it, it gets to the point where like, people have actually sent me money out of support. Like people on LinkedIn that I've never met in my life have actually like sent me money and said, like, Greg, you, you need to pursue this. Stop worrying and stressing and, and pursue this. And sent me like, I won't even send me like two and a half thousand. Wow. Uh, you know, wow. I'll, I'll pay them all back. But the, the amount of support has been, has been fantastic. And that's what I don't think there's apparently they're so used to just bullying their way through everything. They're not used to someone as stupid as me. Who's going to be like, actually, no, I don't care. And, and fight back or at least call them out. Cause I'm not, I'm not even fighting. Like they're giving me all the ammunition. Right. Mm. It's like, well, we, we had an employment dispute and worst case that was going to happen. It was, I was going to go to court. And it was going to get settled either way, but they, they made so much noise and they pressured and that caused other people to, to come out to me and, and to motivate me and the financial times got interested. And now you've, you filed a false police report, which is a crime punishable by up to six months in prison. So now you've given me like a whole other platform and all this other leverage to use against you. What are you doing? Like, it's, it's just, everyone I know is like, if, if this happens, if you're an organization that has stuff to hide and someone starts digging and fighting back, make them go away, you know? And, and if they, if they had offered me a settlement, you know, in the first month, I would have happily taken it because I hadn't clued on yet to all the stuff that was going on in the background. And now it's just ethically, it's just not possible to ethically take money for this anymore. So, yeah. That's fucking crazy. That, that's a, awesome. that's a, bit of a summary. But I, I do think like, I think the lesson for everyone, so many people are like, you know, be quiet, you know, don't, don't make a fuss, you know, companies won't want to work with you anymore if they, if they think you're going to be loud like this. And I'm like, some, some may not, absolutely. But would you want to work for those companies too? Would you, would you want to work for a company that punishes people that, that call out, you know, bad behavior? I don't, I don't think so. And I'm, I'm not interested. And I do think that there are companies that have really good values that care about values. It, you know, it may be one in 10, but that one in 10 is looking for your kind of people. And the louder you are, they will come to you. Um, I had the, um, I, don't, I don't know if he minds me mentioning him or not, 
but I had the, um, the CEO of Performanta call me up on my cell phone. He's like, I, I see what you're doing. I love it. I think it's tremendous. You know, are, are you free on Friday for a call with my ex-co? And, and that was it, you know? So it's amazing. Well, I think you're right though. You hit the nail on the head that, you know, I, I probably, I feel like, you know, looking at my own personal characteristics, like I don't think I would have been as public or as confident to go public for fear of other companies seeing me or recruiters seeing my voice and thinking, Oh God, this, this guy, you know, he, he likes, he's got an opinion and he speaks publicly about shit that's going on in HR. We don't want that. But then you're right. I don't want the fucking company that, that has that attitude either. Do you know what I mean? Because give me something to be proud of. And I'll use the same platform to tell everyone how good it is. So, I mean, plus the other thing people don't realize is that the internet has the memory of a goldfish. Like, yeah, sure, you could you could Google this, or you know, and someone could troll through your LinkedIn posts. You know how difficult it is to troll through LinkedIn posts? It's a pain in the ass. You got to go through <laughs> history and sort by posts, and it just takes forever to load every page. I mean, everyone will have forgotten about it within a few weeks, if not a few months. So it's mm. it's really not the end of the world. And it's, it's also tremendous leverage. Like a lot of people, they're not able to take on these fights because they're like, oh, it's a legal matter. I have to get a lawyer. Well, now you're going to pay like 300 pounds or dollars an hour for a lawyer. And lawyers, I'm sorry, they're not necessarily intelligent just because they're lawyers. And lawyers are, it's just like any other profession. They're very fixated on certain things. So they're very fixated on the letter of the law. You know, THG in this case doesn't give a shit about the law. It's about leverage. It's about how much damage is this going to do and how much would it cost to take it away. And, and that's all it is. But I remember like a, a dispute 10 years ago where I had, I took my car into a dealership. Now, I, I love my cars. I maintain them all myself because I, I just don't trust garages because of some bad experiences, but I had to get the, the tracking, the alignment done. I didn't have like a laser wheel alignment machine, obviously. So I had, I took it into this quite high end Porsche dealership and they took my car for a joy ride. And I actually waited in the dealership because I didn't want to leave it there. So while I'm waiting in the showroom, one of their mechanics, the chief mechanic took it out for a joy ride in the rain, spun it into a lamppost at hundred miles an hour. They told me to claim it on my insurance instead of paying it with theirs. Uh, wouldn't even give me a courtesy car and tried to give themselves the business of repairing it. I was like, no, so I, I got a lawyer and it was, it was six weeks of just dicking around of, of me being frustrated with them, like offering me like 2000, like the, the adjuster said it, it lost like 38,000 in, in value. And, and they were like, well, we'll give you 2000. No, no, maybe 5,000. And then we, you know, we'd give them a deadline of like 10 days and that, that deadline would pass. And they just didn't care at all. And I was like, there was a lot of talk on, on car forums. It was quite a nice car. So there was a lot of talk about like the local car forums about this big, quite public accident on one of main, main thoroughfares to the city. And I was becoming quite vocal about it. And my lawyer was like, oh, you gotta, gotta keep it down because it could interfere with the court case. Blah, blah, blah. And I just got fed up at one point and I got, this was in Canada. So it was all the, um, the domain names. It was a, a, a Porsche, then the name, Volkswagen, the name, and Audi.domain.ca for Canada. But they didn't have the .com domains. So I bought them. And I set up three websites. 
with the face of the owner, the managing director, the lead mechanic that crashed the car, all the crap that they'd pulled so far, how they were dicking me about. I was like, would you want to be their customer? <laughs> and I put that up on a Sunday afternoon and 8 a.m. the next Monday morning, the phone rang, they were willing to settle. So people <laughs> need to understand, most of the time it's not about the law, it's about leverage. And even most lawyers won't understand this. And, and lawyers will quickly run you thousands and thousands of dollars or pounds, which most people can't afford, which is why, why people try to end this right away. Like, I've not touched a lawyer this whole time. I've called a few, they were useless. Oh, so, wow, okay, I didn't realize you're doing all of this on your own. Yeah. You know, can, can I record a phone conversation without consent? Google, can I record a phone conversation without consent? Yes, you can only use it as evidence though, not public. Okay, thank you. Didn't need to spend 300 quid on a lawyer for that. Mm. So, yeah. Such a fascinating story. Honestly, you've had- have a lot more power than they realize. I think, I think that mm. that's the important lesson. Like don't, imagine every time a company bullied an employee, the employee responded the way I'm doing, which is, is not heroic, you know, I'm just a stubborn idiot. If everyone responded this way, no one would try this anymore. No one would mess around. It's like, sorry, we treated you unfairly. Here's some compensation or they'd stop treating you unfairly to begin with because it, could you imagine? Like every time I do a post on LinkedIn, people from THG message me, like low level employees that messaging, laughing. It's like, we just saw them all running into the conference room again. <laughs> every time I do a LinkedIn post, it's like, Ugh. and so many people have, have written to me like apologizing for the, for the experience and the stress and the frustration that it must cause. And it, it was very, very much stressful at first, but now and a, a big part of it was the put in my mind saying like, I, I don't want their money. Like it's, it's dirty money. And I'm just going to give it all away anyway. So it, it took away any kind of leverage that they had or mm -hmm. stress. I just accepted that I'm not getting anything. And once I got into that cool kind of cool, relaxed state, I'm actually really enjoying it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to piss off bullies, you know, um, as, as terrible as that sounds. But yeah, because every time, you know, every time I do like even the most random post about them and, you know, someone tells me that they all just rushed into the conference room, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm laughing my ass off in my, <laughs> in my apartment, you know, and I'm, I'm just having fun with it at this point. So, yeah, I mean, not, not oh. everyone is, is, is you know, and, and again, you know, an unfortunate situation, and this is one more place where the, the network is really useful. You, you get you get support. Um, you know, had this happened to me two, three years ago, I'd, I'd totally be on my own, I'd be screwed. But it's, it's really thanks to the community that it, it gives you that kind of support mechanism where you can stand up for yourself. So that, that's really down to the community. So it's, it's one more reason why people People need to network and people need to build up that brand and let people know who they are. And hopefully that's a genuine, positive person that contributes. And uh, yeah, it all kind of comes together. It goes back to what you said originally, right? The whole relationships, communication, yeah. uh, that kind of, uh, those, those skill sets are really important, not just, you know, to grow your capabilities, but like generally in how you handle yourself throughout business life, right? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I mean, oh. I, I, you know, you may you may kind of ostracize or rule out ninety percent of the employees out there, employers, but the, the ones that have values, and I, I do think it it may be niche. I may be mistaken, 
but I do think values are making a resurgence. Like I think more and more people are realizing, you know, just like you were saying, Ash, like more and more people are talking about relationships and communication and how that's important. You know, you hear a lot more and more about how soft skills are, are overtaking, how people skills are becoming more and more relevant. So I, th I think that's all coming together to, uh, to create an environment where you will, you will stand up, you will stand out on that front where certain companies are, are actively looking for you and they wouldn't have found you otherwise had you followed the conventional wisdom and just shut up about things. Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing what you're doing. It's, it takes a horrific amount of confidence as well. I think I would lack the confidence to come up, come up against such a large organization. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing. I, I think it's, you know, it, I, I think hopefully people who listen to this and even myself now thinking, well, if you can do it, then, I'm, you know, touch I'm wood, I don't, courageous, yeah. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm really not a courageous person. Like, what, what, what can they do? You know, like I've not, I've not broken the law. Mm. They but I've, I've not done anything illegal. I mean, short of sending goons to my house, but that I, I think uh, the media coverage at this point is pro probably makes it a really bad idea. But, um, and yeah, yeah. I, I'd be lying if I wasn't worried about it sometimes. And I have like checked my apartment a couple of times and coming home uh, at some point, but um, you know, that's e even they're not resorting to that. So that's, that's quite mm. tough. So. I don't think uh, it'd be a big, big shift in tactics, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's, it's um, not, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not courageous. It's not, it's not a courage thing. It's just, it's just kind of realizing they're not, they're not, a, you know, it's, it's, I think you, you say it. They're not untouchable. No one's untouchable. Yeah. And it's a lot of, you know, like down, down to like the schoolyard in, in elementary school, like the, the bullies are usually the more insecure ones. And there's a reason why, you know, they're, they're not doing this because they're tough and strong. They're doing this because they're actually really insecure and don't know better so you, you have you have leverage you have power and you you know you have the, the court of public opinion and if you if you network and and have a good reputation and it's, it's not about a good reputation but it's like people know who you are they'll, they'll stand behind you and, and that gives you the, the kind of confidence to, to proceed there's certainly the support some some people are saying i'm an idiot well, they're probably wrong right but it's a well, yeah, I, I think we both definitely admire um, what, how you're kind of handling the whole situation. And ho hopefully it'll be the kind of, like you said before, the blueprint for, you know, people to see that this, this kind of shit goes on. There's a way of dealing with it. And hopefully companies will learn off the back of it and make it a better experience for people that realistically want to make a difference in the industry and have skills to do so as well. Uh, Again, I mean, it's, I, I, it's, I don't think it's a heroic thing. I, I think it feels quite weird. I mean, when I contacted the Financial Times, I was, I thought like the stories that I was hearing from, from other people, mostly women, just the way they're being harassed and bullied and you know, a lot of sexual harassment and misogyny going on. I thought that was actually a far more interesting story. Um, I was actually surprised that they went, no, we want your story maybe because it's firsthand and not hearsay and it's, it's provable mm. and all this stuff. But um, you know, even the reporters like, you know, at the end of the story, we're going to make a call to action. I'm going to ask other people that have had negative experience with THG to come forward. So I'm, I'm hope, hopeful that that actually brings some of the people out of the woodwork uh, that, you know, maybe mm. they are a bit expired, inspired by stupid stuff I'm doing. Um, they, they need to come forward. Cause I think, especially politically and, 
in this time that they'd have a lot more leverage than they realize they they do and it's you know what, what's happened to them is arguably far more wrong than what's happened to me so i, I hope it drives those people to to come forward and, and more people need to confront this kind of behavior yeah 100 percent. so what what is next for greg van der gast what, what what's the story's out You've got your Netflix documentary, <laughs> money's in the bank. <laughs> what, what, what's what's next for you? What, what's on the pipeline? I think we need we need to go back to having a laugh now. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm quite. I'm actually trying to take a little bit more time for myself, but I feel like like I feel like I'm not posting enough. I feel like I'm not contributing enough to the community. I'm I'm tempted to write a story about THG. That would be an interesting book. That that one would probably sell in some volume, unlike my current book. Um, <laughs> we didn't, yeah. <I'm laughs> we'll plug your book in the description. Well, Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Everyone except for one guy called Loves Goats liked it a lot. Um, he didn't like it. Uh, I wonder if he was from the Peak District. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this predates that significantly. Okay. Uh, it's it's weird because it's it's one of the very few non five star reviews. It's a two star, but it's it's always the one that Amazon puts at the very top. Thanks. Amazon. Two stars. I mean, you you it's either five star or fucking zero star, isn't it? Do you know what I mean or, or one star? Yeah. Why two? Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Um. Apparently, he's got some other like random reviews on all kinds of stuff on Amazon. It's quite it's quite funny. He or she, who knows. Um, I'm hoping to be able to do another book this year. It's, it's tremendously time consuming to write. And, you know, unless you're JK Rowling, you don't make money selling books. Um, and I think I want to make it more about, so my, my idea was I'm going to make this one a kind of a general brain dump, the last one. And then I, I really want to do something about how, how we communicate, how we influence and just, you know, little, little tricks that, that I've learned along the way um for for just building relationships with with executives and um with employees as well and but i, I said something last week and i was like no way i'm going to use this going forward it's like just treat your employees like you would your children you know you you want them to succeed you know you, you wouldn't judge them just because they don't know something you would just teach it to them or you would show it to them and um if if you do that then they'll they'll be great and unlike children they'll realize that this is not they, they won't take it for granted. So they're actually hugely appreciative of, of anything you do for them. Um, so just, just treat your people like that. Care about them. Uh, and the other one is um, how I structure an information security framework. I thought that it's, it's weird because it's something I, I just kind of did ad hoc because not having any formal education and never really paying much attention to what the industry says. Um, I just kind of created my own framework at one point because I wanted it to be actually be secure and not just compliant to something. And I kind of developed that over the years. And I was mentoring someone who just started as a kind of security lead in a, an investment bank. And, and she was like, this is the most, I forget her exact words, but the, the most well thought out, well structured, whatever it was that she'd ever seen. It was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I should be sharing more of this. Um, so that, that might be useful. And I'm, I'm hoping to do maybe like a short video course. Um, Cause I feel like I, I did a course, like a three day course last year. But the, the place was charging like two and a half thousand pounds for it, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't think that's accessible enough. Uh, it's too expensive for most people. Like, I want, I want people to be able to to learn without having to have 
to spend two, no, no one's going to spend 2000 pounds of their own money. Please don't spend 2000 pounds of your money to come see me. Um, but you know, maybe something a bit more, more affordable, uh, kind of a recorded course. So that's, that's kind of my projects for this year. I'm, um, just doing random, uh, random consulting work, uh, until a more interesting opportunity comes along. We'll see how, how that goes. That's, well, that's I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to, to see the fruits of your labor for this year. I'll definitely, I'd definitely yeah. be interested in, in, in reading your book and, and looking at your content as well. So I've, I've kind of been, I, I kind of want all this, but I, I also want to take some time off cause I'm turning 40. Yeah. Um, I'm actually about to go pick up my 40th birthday present. It's got three wheels. It's going to be really interesting because it's got no windscreen or roof and I'm going to be driving it back home in this weather. I'm wearing three layers of thermals, thermals right now if I'm sweating, that's why. Um, so yeah, I, I want to kind of enjoy life, uh, but at the same time, there's still I, I still want to contribute and it's not having a, a permanent job right now. It's a bit, uh, bit of instability, but uh, mm. We'll, we'll try to uh, to balance it all out. Maybe I'll just start well, car videos. People people will like that even more than the semi coherent things I normally say. So absolutely, I think um, we we've covered an awful lot today. I really appreciate all of your insights, Greg. I think you're super fascinating, and um, you've got so. I mean, talking about hacking into nuclear, yeah, whatever stuff in the beginning, right the way through. I mean, talk about an illustrious relationship with the career with with, with the with the industry. We definitely buy you a beer sometime and, uh, and have a good chat about some other stuff as well. But thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for contacting me, Ashley. You guys, I mean, I, I cannot remember doing a more uh, kind of entertaining podcast. So this is uh, absolutely awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to get you on. Fantastic. I hope I hope this works out really well for you because uh, yeah, you guys you guys are definitely uh, I think you guys are quite refreshing as well to be honest. Thank you.